Welcome to the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast, a show designed for brand new sales reps working in the world of tech sales. I'm your host, Neil Buyan, and I'm going to be taking you on a journey on the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast. Did you know that you can watch this show live with the guests on YouTube? This show is available on YouTube at happyselling.io. Hello listeners, watchers and subscribers. Welcome to another chapter of the SDR Disco Call Show. If this is your first time tuning in, this show is all about sales development and people working within tech sales. And I look to find great people from across the industry to figure out how the hell did they get into this type of career, what have they learned, and what best practices they can share with yourselves so that you can become happy sellers. And my name is Neil Buyan, your host. So with the guest that we've got today, as a true sales professional, I'm always looking for referrals when it comes to leads. And I'm really happy to say that one of our former guests, Andy Laws from Braze, I asked him the question of, hey, Andy, do you know anybody that would be a great fit for the show? And he said, yep, I uh, definitely got a guy for you. And this guy was introduced to me and we met a few weeks ago and here we are today. So, Gez, can you introduce yourself? Who are you, sir? Hey, Neil. A pleasure to be here. And uh, thanks for the invitation. I'm Luis Buitrago, BDR at Braze. Bon dia, Luis. And thank you very much for joining us. So, Luis, where are you based in the world, sir? I'm based in London. Love it. And as mentioned, you're a BDR at Braze. And what, what does Braze do at a high level, Lewis? Braze is a marketing automation platform. So for people who are not familiar with the space, companies, brands use Braze to communicate with their users across different channels, email, SMS, push notifications, etc. Love it. In the world of customer experience, love that. And just out of curiosity, because I think it's a question I don't ask as much uh, nowadays, is who are the type of personas or prospects that you mainly reach out to or speak to whilst you're a BDR at Braze, Lewis? Mainly marketing teams. Some companies have CRM teams. So yeah, these are the main personas. Sometimes we get involved with more kind of product teams, tech teams, but like our sweet spot is more in the marketing team. I love that. Thank you very much for sharing. And Lewis, outside of sales, what kind of like hobbies or interests do you have? So what I enjoy the most is spending time with my wife. I love sports, working out. I cycle a lot, love traveling, love reading. And I'm not from London, so I feel like a tourist in London. I just love making tourism around London and the UK. I love that. So like you said, you're not originally from London. Where are you originally from, Lewis? I'm from Colombia. Colombia. I love that. And what, what, what do you feel life is like compared to com living in London and working in tech sales? What's it like compared to Colombia, Lewis? It's completely different. Completely different. I, I don't know if we're going to touch this throughout the, the conversation, but completely different like South Pole to, to North Pole. I love that. And we're definitely going to dive in because I'm really intrigued to find out more. Uh, and as a general reminder for our audience, if you're listening to this in your local podcast platform, please make sure that you give us a rating and subscribe and share the episode with anybody that you think could benefit listening. And if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure that you like, comment and subscribe down below. And if you have any questions for the guests, put some comments down, put some questions in, we'll be happy to send it. Or alternatively, with all of our guests, their LinkedIn profile URLs will be in the show notes. So if you want to connect with them, 
and pick their brain, feel free to do so. So it's normally at this point in the show, what we love to do is visit our guests' LinkedIn profiles to figure out who are they, where have they come from, what are they up to. Um, and with this individual, he's somebody who's actually quite active on social media. I'm seeing him, you know, starting to speak at events such as Sales Confidence, which is really cool. Really love the guys out there as well. Uh, but Lewis, looking at your profile, um, I'm seeing your experiences. What I can see is, you know, you've worked as an intern. You've been a, a teaching assistant. Back in 2018, you're a sales representative, you've been an advisory board member, investor, business builder, and you've had an impressive career at Braze for the last 11 months where, you know, you've achieved some really great things, which we're going to want to learn about today. But, you know, for the audience and listeners, in your own words, Lewis, like, what was the journey? Like, how did you uh, get into sales and like, how did you end up where you are today, sir? Yeah, great. So for university, I studied industrial engineering, which back in Colombia is kind of a business engineering. And the traditional path of my peers who studied with me was either going to a big consulting firm, hmm. to finance, to an investment banking firm, private equity. Back in the day, VCs in Colombia was not that famous, but that was the traditional path. But I wanted to do something more entrepreneurial. I didn't want mm. to go that route. So when I was uh, towards the end of my university, I have someone who, who has been very important in my life is my uncle. He has been a great mentor. So when I was preparing my dissertation, my dissertation was about creating a business model, a business mm. plan. And he is like a very successful business person who has been in the private public se sector, and it's one of the most important consultants in customer experience in Latin America. Oh, so wow. like seven years ago, he told me, you know what? Why don't you come with me? We partner together and you make your business plan of this business idea that I, I have. Cool. Long story short, I did that. We, we created a business together. Uh, I ended up managing. It was an online academy. We ended up selling more than 17,000 licenses across Latin America. Wow. I ended up, ended up working with him for three years, being his SDR, his AE, his personal assistant, being everything. And in that moment, I wanted to keep exploring the world and mm. growing my entrepreneurial uh, mindset. So I decided to go out of Colombia, travel to the United States to study a master's in entrepreneurial leadership in Babson College, which is mm. a college very famous for, for entrepreneurship. And if, if it's all right to just pause you there, because that is quite an impressive element and part of your life, you know, working with your uncle there. And I think, you know, like you said, you, you as within university and you had this option of, you know, going working for these consulting firms. It wasn't really, like you said, as famous back then in Colombia, but you were in the mindset of, okay, you wanted to do something different, right? Compared to what your peers were doing. Um, and then, you know, you wanted to build a business and you had the, 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 your great opportunity with your uncle, who was a successful person as well, to launch a business. Before we dive into the actual journey of what you were doing with your uncle, if we can just quickly touch on mindset, what was going through your minds where you were comparing yourself perhaps to your peers as to what could be the status quo, like what most people do, and then you taking you know, potentially a risk of going in a different path? 
How did you come to that conclusion to make the choice to do something different, Lewis? It, it was very interesting because back in the day, I was one of the top students of my class. Hmm. And usually my peers were working in McKinsey, BCG, Vane, earning a lot of money for, for being a fresh grad. And like I was working with my uncle, which that's not particularly like impressive in the eyes of other people. Hmm. And I questioned a lot myself because it was very entrepreneurial. There was not a formal role. We were creating the role. We didn't have an office. We didn't have a team. So it was me with myself between my living room and my bedroom from eight mm. to eight. Mm. And five months in the role, I told my uncle, like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to sell. I don't know who to call. Uh, but it was very interesting because I just tried, like, trusted the process, have confidence in it. My uncle played a significant role as a mentor, mm. was very consistent. And looking backwards, like in those three years, like the growth, the skills I learned, the people I met in the journey, and also in concrete terms of business results of the money that we were able to make together, it, it was impressive. Wow, that's pretty cool, dude. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know as well, you know, as you mentioned, your uncle who had experience uh, within business and being successful, and, you know, you're, you're working with family and you're saying he's a great mentor to you. What were the kind of like difficult conversations or, you know, the difficult questions that you were bringing to him when you were trying to figure this out? How, how did those conversations go, Lewis? There was, a, a, he's a person, he's part of several uh, board of directors uh, of Latin companies. So one day I called my mom, I remember this perfectly this day. I called my mom and I told her, you know what, I, I'm not feeling it. I, mm. I'm not feeling it. And she called my uncle. She confessed this to me like three years later. I didn't know back then. And my <laughs> uncle was stressed like, well, what I'm doing with the future of the of my sister's son, mm. what, what I'm doing. So we went to a cafe and he was like, you know what? Give, give the process three more months. Let's do it. Let's try. And if after three months you don't feel it, I promise that I will touch you, put you in touch with A, B, C, D, E companies, and mm. the opportunities will open. But there was one thing that he told me. He told me, look, life is love. At any point in life with your skills, your academic background, you can go to a business. Mm. But it will be very difficult to have this opportunity later in life of us working together. You have no nothing to lose at the moment, taking the risk to build something together. So give it a shot. And the rest is is history. History. I love I love that. It's such a cool story. And I think that's a an awesome opportunity for, you know, in essence, a coach that is family to say, like, look, you've got your, you know, your qualifications, you've got your stuff behind you that can help you go find another job. But as he said to you, you know, here's a, a once in a lifetime opportunity to do something different, right? But just give it three months. And again, if it doesn't work out. I can go help you out in other sort of ways. And I think that's a really cool like opportunity to have. And uh, I absolutely love that. And then again, like you said, you sold, like you're doing this online sort of course and you sold 17,000 licenses. Is that right? Yeah. That What was what was that feeling like for you, Lewis? Like when you saw those sort of numbers? Yeah, that, that was crazy. So he's 
He's an author of five best-selling books around customer experience. And mainly what he did was like public speaking for companies. Mm. He did consulting and he did training for companies. But everything was in person. So he wanted to, to explore something digital. Mm. And I told him like, okay, let's do it together. Let's build it together. So he was like the content creator, the public figure. He had the contacts. And I was the person who was operating, hiring the people who were going to record the courses, everything. Mm. And he opened a lot of doors, but also I was the SDR, prospecting people, calling people, selling people. And and it was very interesting. Like, I won't say it was easy, but it wasn't hard also because he had a very positioned brand. Mm. So doors opened. But I remember, like, we had a meeting with a bank and a big bank in Colombia. Mm. And... We went and he didn't trust it. It was raining that day in Bogota, which is Colombian's capital. Mm. And like he was tired because he had been traveling. And it was with people that were not senior at all in the bank. And we presented this and the meeting went all right, but not quite impressive. Like two weeks later, they were asking us for a proposal for a huge contract. <laughs> and I couldn't believe it that in my early 20s, yeah, like I was being exposed to that managing that contract and that was one of the big contracts we had like six or seven big contracts with big corporations and the rest was more like a small size deals to different businesses it was mm. b2b but yeah this is this is a cool story uh, and it felt great and one of the most interesting things is that it was not only about business skills he talks a lot about personal development attitude uh, like about the people so mm. receiving the testimonies of the people uh, saying that this has impacted my life, this has inspired me to do X, Y, to be happier at my work, it, it was it was very, it felt very good. I love That's a beautiful story there, Lewis. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I think, you know, when people um, do great things and you know some people well then you'll meet them and say okay wow so lewis you've done this you've done this you've done this you've done that i've come across in life where i've met some people and they're like Neil, you're doing some amazing things like i've seen this on linkedin or i've seen this on your show the one thing that i, I don't know about you lewis but i've kind of realized that when you're doing these great things you don't see them as great things at that point in time because you're just doing something new and you don't know what the hell you're doing half the time, but you're just doing it. But it's not until maybe a couple of years later or something where you look back and then you're like, yeah, I actually achieved that. But would you agree that when you're doing these amazing things at that point in time, they may not seem amazing until a little bit later once you've like processed what you've done? What, what are your thoughts on that, Lewis? Yeah, I, I, I will agree completely. I will agree completely and I feel related uh, in that journey of what we did uh, with my uncle and also in the journey of, of a business and an entrepreneurial community that I started mm. that looking back in retrospective feels like, wow, that, that was something very interesting. I love that. I love that. So as you was mentioning earlier, like the next step of that journey was going out to the US to continue this entrepreneurial journey and studying. What happened there when he went out to the US, Lewis? Yeah. So uh, an interest, this was an interesting moment because I was going to study this master's. I had a girlfriend at that time, but then the pandemic hit. Mm. And she was going to study a master's in London. 
So pandemic hit, long story short, neither of us wanted to go abroad and be in lockdown while studying our masters. So both of us deferred our masters. And long story short, we ended up living together. We ended up married. Mm. And we ended up deciding that we were going first to Boston and then to London together. And mm. in the meantime, professionally, uh, I had in my mind that, okay, like this stage of my career with my uncle is over. I'm starting a new chapter with my education, but it wasn't over. I had one more year. Mm. So I kept working with him, developing projects uh, in the context of the pandemic. And in that year, I started a business as well. So I started oh, oh. creating content on Instagram mm. and around entrepreneurship. And I started interviewing business founders in Colombia every week on Instagram Lives. I don't mm. know if you remember, but back in the pandemic, like yeah, Instagram yeah, yeah. Lives became yeah, very popular. Yeah. So I started interviewing 30-minute interviews every week. And I started creating this social media, which which like never became viral. And, and I never became famous or nothing like that. But I created a, a significant community there. Then people started reaching out. But I started creating a, a business around it and have run that business since since then. It's now mm. four years with with that, that business that now I do it like as a side hustle. Mm. But it is still there. I love that. I love that. And, you know, for the, the journey of lockdown love. You know, finding your 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 future partner and getting married—that's so freaking awesome! Like, congrats to you for that. Um, and you know, like you said, deferring your masters for another year, but then kind of creating this little side thing, using social media and becoming a content creator. Because that's exactly what happened to me, right? Um, as a sales trainer, pandemic hit, uh, and as a freelancer, I lost my only client. As a you know, an SDR trainer and manager, uh, and I had this period of time where I had no work. And I was like, what the hell am I going to do? And, you know, I've, I've learned over the years, the best way to help yourself is by helping other people. So I was doing Zoom chats like this, helping other SDR people. And, you know, um, always sending them links to other content creators of podcasts and shows for sales. But the feedback I kept getting was they're not resonating with the people that I'm sending them to because they're still new into the career of sales and they don't really fully understand stuff. So this is how that show got created. And, you know, during that pandemic, I saw a lot of people pivoting or doing something new that they hadn't done before. And content creators were becoming like, was a growing phenomenon on, you know, TikTok. I didn't see it as much on LinkedIn back then. I saw maybe a couple of more webinars per se, but not interviews like we're doing right now, right? Uh, but seeing that you're one of those people that took that step. There's a lot of people on my show and there's a lot of people that do approach me. And even like with Andy, when I spoke to him on he said, like, he said, what advice would you give like when you're creating content and, you know, you're doing media and stuff like that? Lewis was somebody that's been doing it for a while and has done it and, you know, has it as a side hustle. What advice would you give to people that want to go into content creation? It's better done than perfect. Could you elaborate? Yeah, I think that a lot of us, uh, and, and it obviously happened to me, like fear a lot of what other people are going to say or overthink a lot of what's the perfect message, the perfect video. But I think that it's about doing it, about doing it consistently. Hmm. And that way you will get yourself out there. But also you will really learn how to create content by doing it, not hmm. by planning how to do it. That's how I think about it. 
Yeah, you're right. And I think there is that fear of, I don't know if it's so much of a fear. I think some people, and this was true for myself, where I used to see other people creating content and I was like, I want to do that. And when I was in the early days of creating stuff, I was trying to make it so polished that it looked like the other people that I was watching. But what I had to learn is they started from somewhere. So, you know, I've uh, sometimes watched or listened to Joe Rogan on his podcast. But when you look at the early videos, they're really bad lighting. They're in a small room. They're close to like a big camera. But it took years of, you know, evolving to get to where they are. So I think, you know, a big um, piece of advice is it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't have to be perfect. But I think you have to start because a lot of us could have the intention of recording something or creating something and we just sit on it too long. It sits on our hard drive. It sits on a laptop because we're fearing, oh, when are we, we going to put it out and stuff, right? Um, and in terms of content creation, how did you learn to create content in terms of like tools, how to put something together, how to record live, you know, how to add message and stuff like that? How, how did you learn those things, Lewis? Yeah, so more in the how to portray a message, it's because that's what I did with my uncle. That was mm. her work. Mm-hmm. And we were in the public speaking industry. So I had to do benchmarks all the day. I saw a lot of public speaking of people doing it, YouTube videos. When we did our online course, like I studied it a lot. So I think by exercising that muscle of seeing people doing it, mm. I, I got very used to it. And it's something that I have enjoyed my whole life. Like since I was a kid in school, I've enjoyed public speaking. So cool. I think that's like the the combination. Yeah, yeah, definitely, dude. And that that's uh, that that does resonate as well because I think um, when I started like creating my content and like with podcasts and stuff, I was doing lots of other things way back in the day. So when I was younger. Um, I used to play with Windows Media Player to like try and, and PowerPoint to create videos for music. Right? I used to love radio shows and I used to love songs that I try to create like music videos. And when I sometimes look back at the stuff that I've created on private YouTube channels, I'm like, what the hell were you doing, dude? But you know, then adding captions and then you're adding effects and stuff like that. I was like, oh, this is really fun. Um, But I remember during the pandemic when I was trying to look at the costs, because sometimes this can become a very expensive hobby, right? Uh, And I was looking for, you know, burning subtitles into videos. And I was looking for people that provide services with subtitles. Now, this is before AI transcription and before, you know, tools like CapCut and stuff like that. But people were saying they were quoting me like 5K to, to subtitle the video, like have it transcribed and everything like that for like a three or four minute video. And I was like, dude, what? That's great. Um, so then I went online to find, I went on YouTube to see how other people do it. Then I found tools and stuff like that. And I started using it. Then I started putting videos together. Then with Happy Selling, I used to do like online training, but it was always live. And then I tried to create, you know, videos for a remote course or, you know, like a recorded course. And I didn't really know how to put it all together and, you know, I just parked it. But then a few years later, I had an opportunity to create a happy selling online course. But I'd learned all the skills of video editing, audio editing, subtitles, transitions, effects. And then I can create stuff today. And I sometimes sit there and think, if I didn't fool around back in the day playing with stuff, 
I wouldn't know how to do that sort of stuff today. So I think there is an element of just try stuff without the intent of creating the best product in the world, but trying these skills out and going online and learning and watching how other people did it. Because when somebody quoted me 5K for subtitles, I was like, right, I'm going to go learn how to do it myself. And equally, you know, when I used to see people's intro videos with like, you know, images and icons flying around, I learned about green screen, you know, adding PNG files to stuff. And okay, I'm getting a bit too technical here, but this was all self-taught. So sometimes when people come to me and say, oh, Neil, who, who does your content creation? Who does your editing? And like, who does all your special effects? I'm like, me, boy, because I've <laughs> learned that. And then they say, oh, could you do it for me? And I'm like, I don't know if I have the time, but here's the links of how I learned to do it. And, I, and that's enough. And then some people say to me, Neil, you could make money out of that. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to make money out of it. I just want to do it for myself, right? Yeah, it makes, makes sense. But um, so anyway, we're digressing. Uh, uh, but thank you very much for the insight on content creation. And I love that. So I'm curious to know, like, how did you make this transition, um, you know, getting into Braze and like working in that tech sales company and like, you know, being in London with your partner, you know, you're getting married. H- how did you end up at Braze, Lewis? Yeah. So when I, I did my master's in, in the US and we knew that it was going to be for one year and then, then we were moving to London mm. because she was going to study her two year master's in child psychology here at UCL. Mm. So I started looking for jobs. And since I had like this entrepreneurial background, also a sales background, one of my main focus in terms of industries was uh, SaaS, uh, tech sales. Mm. And, and to be honest, initially I started looking for account executive roles because I thought to myself, I have some experience and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. But it was it was tough. Like I didn't get invited to interviews, mm. uh, not a single one. So I really? took a step back and mm. then and got feedback and advice in two ways. Like first, it will be easier to get a BDR uh, role, and second, it will be great for you to develop skills to learn about the industry. And if you want to be an account executive like tomorrow or in the future, the skills that you will learn being a BDR will be great. Mm. So then I switched my uh, job hunt strategy, looking for BDR roles. And luckily enough, I was contacted by Eve, a recruiter from Brace. Mm-hmm. And we started the interview process. And luckily, I ended up in an amazing company. And I have been there for the last almost a year now. Yeah. I love that. So as you said, like you was given the advice on two points, right? The the first one was, you know, um, go for the BDR role because that would be easier as the first point stepping stone. And then obviously take time to enhance your skills to make you successful in that role. What was, because I think a lot of people or friends that I speak to, you know, they may have been senior in other companies or positions or seniority in life in terms of before coming into sales. And they're kind of told, right, you can't just go straight into that closing role. It's better to start as a BDI. And for some people, that can hurt their ego and their pride, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm just curious to know, like, mindset-wise, how did you come to terms with that of not being the AE initially, but becoming a BDI? How, how did you rationalize that for yourself, Lewis? Yeah. So I'll say that for me, it was a case of survival because... Mm. 
I needed a job when I landed London because I was going to live here with my partner. So like we needed a, a main source of income. So that's the main one. And uh, to be honest, it was tough. Like I struggled. I thought that the role was going to be not that fun, a little bit boring, too junior. That I was, yeah, that that was my initial mindset. Yeah. But then when I got in, like it was the complete opposite. Hmm. I felt in love with the role. I felt and realized that it was not junior. Like hmm. it can be an entry level role, but it requires like deep skills to be able to do it successful. I also appreciated that my ramp period was fast hmm. because I have had experience in the past. And what I have seen and like in my company and other companies is that people who step into the role with past experience sometimes uh, have like faster run periods and can hit success even faster. Mm. So yeah, I discovered, I felt in, role, in love with this role, with this industry, and so that there was great potential for, for growth, to have fun every day. And since then I have been learning every day and enjoying every day a lot. You're what I call a happy seller, Lewis, which I freaking love. And you're right, you know, because um, I think if I if I go back to when I became an SGO and I went to go work for my first tech company, every role that I'd worked in or job that I'd worked in had never been sales orientated, right? So I'd worked for local government, I'd worked in logistics. And for me, like I had done, you know, pretty much admin type of roles. So when I stepped into this sales role and they were saying to me, like, you you need to speak to C-level people, like CEOs, CFOs, and I was like, wow, this is a big jump, right? I'd never done anything like this. So I never saw the SDR role as a junior role because for me, it was a huge step up in life and earning potential. Uh, and for somebody that didn't go to university and didn't really have any qualifications behind me, it was a, a big learning curve and experience. So when I do hear people talk about the SDR role being or BDR role being junior, I'm like, no, it's not because you're basically coming into business. You're learning about business and how business and operations and things work. And you have to have an element of business acumen to have really strong conversations with people that are running companies. And, you know, if you give them a solution that could impact their business in a positive way, it can literally change the world. You know, and that mindset for me was like, I want to learn more about this sort of stuff because I want to do it on my own one day. So for me, being in a BDR was kind of like being in business school. Yeah, that's the way that I looked at it, right? Um, I and, and and if you let me like step into that, like I will agree, and I will recommend like anyone who, who's listening to this and it is still in school and they want to develop a career in business, whatever like industry or role like they dream to doing some time of business development. Hmm. I think it can be like doing a business master in real life and develop very strong business acumen, but also a very strong, a very strong skill set in terms of soft skills hmm. and in terms of like personal life. I, I feel that this role gives a lot of growth both professionally, hmm. but even more personally. 100% because you know, like if you look at um, some of the the general day to day operations of like a BDR and SDR, so you know, calling, emailing, 
booking meetings and stuff like that. But the nuances between that is researching another business to figure out what's their corporate objective. What are they trying to achieve? Where did the leadership come from? What was their funding history and journey? And, you know, what are they looking to do with those investments? You're actually studying a business, another business other than your own. Um, then I think when you're running conversations or discovery calls, you're learning the art of communication, you know, how to ask the right questions, how to get complete strangers to open up to you and to an extent trust you with the information that they're sharing as well. I think from a marketing perspective, um, they're not just MQLs, marketing qualified leads, like a content strategy, how people run campaigns, the amount of millions of dollars that they put into these things and they try to see a return on interest on that. Then I think looking at like customer success of, you know, how do they, rather than see a customer as a customer, they treat them more like a partner because they know that if they can make that customer successful, customer success, then they were going to grow with that business. And, you know, I remember like working in startups where you had flagship customers, like the first round of customers that grew with them, gave feedback about the product and stuff like that. And seeing how do people renew relationships. Um, but then I think, you know, the other side of it is working within a team of peoples with different skill sets and mindsets. Um, it's an element of psychology because you have to realize that your personality may not dwell well with some people. And you have to understand that some people are going to be more high energy than you. There's going to be moments where you're going to feel like imposter syndrome, like you shouldn't be here. I thought that hundreds of, I still today think that I shouldn't be doing half of the things I'm doing, Lewis, right? And I'm like, that is just more than just prospecting, doing calls, dials, and KPIs. And equally on the operational side of like, how do leaders or RevOps track this stuff? How do they then report it to the board? What the hell happens in a board meeting? Why do they have board meetings? You know, all of this sort of stuff is what really interested me. And I was like, dude, you don't get this level of insight and experience in the other roles that I did in my previous life. Yeah. You know, I was like, that's why I became a fan of sales. It's not just about for me, the money, but I think, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Lewis. I think with a lot of SDRs and BDRs that I speak to on a weekly basis, they're looking for this AE position because they're sold a dream of six figures, you know, having this status. And the thing that I try to tell them is, look, when you do get to that level and you will, it comes with a lot of stresses and it's not just automatically you get the title and then you get the paycheck. You have to go through a lot of shit and you have to go through a big learning curve and experience through all of that of people telling you no, you know, having to tell your VP of sales why this deal is not going to come in, why you're not going to commit it. You're speaking to multiple stakeholders. You're running a little business within the business that you're trying to do. You're trying to franchise the product and run your own sales cycles and be your own mini CEO. So what advice would you give to people where you, what what elements should they look at other than earning potential, Lewis, from your point of view? Yeah, for me, and I have thought a lot about this, like, why do I wake up every day and give my 100% and feel happy? For me, the first one and most important one is growth. I love uh, having a growth mindset and being exposed to environments and contexts that power my growth. Hmm. So being in this context scenario where I am outside of my comfort zone, like just, you just mentioned it, all the growth in terms of business acumen, uh, business knowledge that you can gain, it's huge, but also in the soft skills, in your personality, having difficult conversations, communication skills, like it's huge. 
<laughs> and I think that every day is different, new challenges, different challenges. So there's always room for growth. So I think that's a massive one for me. Second one, I feel it's fun. Uh, and like, I think that, and I don't think that everyone should be a BDR, like just people who find it fun. Mm. And I <laughs> hear a lot of people like want to get into this career, like for the earning potential, which I respected. And I think that it's an important component, but I think that it, that's the only component. It's very difficult that you are going to be successful. Mm. I think that you need to add a little bit of enjoying it, have fun. And I genuinely enjoy it. I, I enjoy having a target, uh, proving myself and trying the best that I can perform. Something that I, I enjoy a lot. And the third one is I love business. I mm. love like the game of business. And I think that being a BDR gives me a lot of these like entrepreneurial exposure to being exposed to business problems, trying to solve them, but also like playing the, the puzzle of how to put the pieces of the puzzle within your stakeholders and that, I, I love that. Mm. It's like a game of chess and you're like trying to learn the moves uh, as to how to move things forward. I, yeah, I, I totally agree with that and I love that. And um, so there's two kind of topics that I want to cover and make sure that we get in today's episode before we end. So the first one is, <clears throat> so you're somebody that's hit quota and, you know, looking at your LinkedIn where it says FY24Q2 set historic record of the most sales qualified opportunities and pipeline. Congratulations. And you had like a previous really good quarter. When it comes to high performance and like, you know, being a top BDR and like overachieving and hitting these quotas and targets and KPIs, etc. How do you do it? And what advice would you give to somebody that's maybe got this dream of wanting to hit these high numbers and become a high performer. How does Lewis do it? And what advice would you give to those people that want to become that? For for me, what I think that has worked the most is not my, how do I send emails? How do I cold call? How do I prospect? But it's the drive, the, the attitude, the ambition. Uh, so like just waking up every day and having that attitude to to crash it, I think that's the main thing. That's the main layer. Mm. And I think that talking about more tactical or day-to-day -day operations, it works for me a lot to prospect in all channels, to prospect every day, like be consistent, and not because the meeting that we book for tomorrow, no, the sequence that we create today might land a meeting in one month, which might land an opportunity in pipeline in two months. Mm. So if we are not consistently prospecting absolutely every day, like our pipeline will be dry and it will be very hard to to have like that um, consistent uh, results in terms of opportunities to pipeline. Mm. And yeah, I don't know if you would like to to go deeper in any of this, but that's high level what I think. I would love to go a little bit deeper. I, I think, you know, that consistency piece because I, I agree with you like working in sales and being a manager or being that like SDR previously what I was taught was Neil whatever your Q1 conversations are will be your Q4 closes so if you don't plant the seeds at the beginning of the year with your prospects then nothing's going to come into fruition at the end of the year and Q4 is most important you know quarter from for most businesses before final fiscal year ends right um, and another point was 
<laughs> right, running my own business for six years, uh, I never take time off. I haven't really ha had a holiday. And, you know, when I see people say, oh, I'm going on holiday, it's summer, you know, things are dying down. It never dies down for me. I never stop because I'm like either prospecting each month, I'm either doing a show, I'm either creating content, I'm just always constantly going. And some people say to me, like, Neil, you need to take a break, which I agree with. But here's the other side that I look at it, Lewis, is sometimes people take holidays, and this isn't a blanket statement for everyone, but sometimes people take holidays to escape from a job or a nine-to-five and a career to yeah. go live a fantasy life of two weeks of all-inclusive drinks, Caribbean sun and whatnot, to then come back to something that they have to do day to day. But when you love what you do and you really freaking enjoy it, you don't feel the need to have a holiday or a break from it because you fucking breathe and love it as well. Yeah. So you know like that piece, as you said, and, like keeping consistent? Could you like tell us how, yeah, how is like, it that you keep? Like, uh, and I can relate to that. Like the most successful person I, I have met is my uncle. And he's not only passionate, not only disciplined, He's obsessed about what he does. Mm. Uh, and also, like, in my time at Brace, I see that the top performers are those who love the game, who treat this as a game, find it fun, and those who are stressed about the quota, uh, about thinking about the commission they are going to make, don't perform that well to those who are just, like, treated as a game mm. and have fun and put the work and, and execute towards it. I love that. I love that. And one last bit of advice on this like for, for to becoming top performers, because in recent weeks and months, I'm coaching a lot of SDRs, and some of them come to me with this thing of, you know, Neil, I've been doing this for like four or five months. Like, so first time I'm being an SDR and BDR. Doing this stuff day in, day out, it grinds me down, and sometimes I'm starting to find it boring. And it may not seem everything that I thought it was going to be. And I don't know if sales is for me yet or, you know, and the other side of it is, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, but maybe I should think about jumping ship and going, doing something else. Now the coach in me is like, like your uncle, just give it another three months, try this out because, you know, you just, you've hit this plateau and there could be something that could really take you further. And the other thing I say to them is it's totally normal to feel that way because I've felt that multiple times not only as a BDR <laughs> but as an AE as a company founder as a podcast host I feel it all the time it's normal but I remind myself that this feeling is temporary but I have to keep going but what advice would you give to people that are new to this role they've been doing it for like four or five months and they hit that lull and they're just like I don't know if this is for me what advice would you give to them Lewis? so two main pieces of advice the first one is to not not stop doing it, not stop prospecting because things are not working. So what I think that will be the worst case scenario is that you are not landing meetings. So you start thinking, my emails are not good. My calls don't work. So mm. it's like a like a loop and falling into that paralysis analysis is the worst thing. So just yeah. keep doing it. But the second one uh, is also if you keep doing things as you are doing them, probably results will be the same. So be open to learning. Like I am obsessed in listening to podcasts, such as your podcast, and there are a lot of resources out there. I follow a lot of LinkedIn creators. Uh, I love to read. So also consume content, read 
talk to high performers. In my first months at Brace, I set, like scheduled one weekly meeting with each of the high performers of the BDR team, mm. like to learn what they were doing. So talk to people, talk to the account executives, to your manager, to the people in your business, in other industries, and be open to learn. Like mm. absorb as a sponge everything you can do, but keep pushing that into execution, experimenting, executing, executing. Because if you only fall into either of each bucket, it won't make it. I think that the combination of both is what will end up driving the results down the line. That's some solid, better advice, better advice than I've given, and I'm going to steal that for, for the people that I'm talking to at the minute. So thank you very much for sharing that, Lewis. And the last point that I wanted to talk about, which is something very interesting that we spoke about before we got onto the recording, which was um, in-person prospecting, right? And I don't want to steal yeah, the thunder here, Lewis, but could you tell us a little bit more about your going to companies and your in-person prospecting? Yeah, sure. So it's something that has worked very well and basically is showing up at the prospect's offices buying, uh, bringing some swag from Brace or buying, I don't know, uh, some donuts. And I just show up at the reception and I am like, hey, um, I'm looking to speak to Neil. And then the person of the reception will be like, oh yeah, do you have a meeting with Neil? And I'm like, no, but he, he will probably be aware of me. I'm Luis from Brace. Ca can you tell him if he can receive me for coffee? I have some donuts here. And the interesting piece is that a lot of times, like, I cannot break into the office, but <laughs> I leave the donuts with the person of the reception. I take their name. I take a picture of myself and I send an email like, hey, uh, donuts with Luis from in the reception. And it gets a lot of replies and spark a lot of conversations. Also because people like feel like, oh, like, what's this guy doing? Mm -hmm. They feel that they want like to give back. They feel grateful. Sometimes they don't reply, which is okay. But sometimes they are like, oh, yeah, uh, come in. Uh, maybe Neil is not here, but his colleague can receive you to see what do you want to speak about. And I don't show up like blindly called. It's two people that I have prospected a lot uh, via email, via phone, uh, LinkedIn. So it's people that when they hear my name or my company, it might ring a bell. And I have had stories of very top accounts in my territory that I have cracked by showing up at their offices. Dude, that is so freaking awesome. Like, I am gobsmacked. And the other question is like, no, why the hell didn't you ever do that, right? But that's pretty amazing. So if like, so we, we, we talk about prospecting where, you know, we can send videos, we can send emails, and that's all digital. And there is, you know, the prospecting of physical gifts or phys physical gifting where you will contact a company and they'll send something on your behalf. And, you know, there is the power of writing a handwritten letter. But we have your boy, Lewis, like coming to the business with a box of donuts that everybody loves freaking donuts. You go to the reception, you, you know, ask for that prospect. You've probably been prospecting them ahead of time. So they should be at least familiar with the name of Lewis or Braze. Um, you know, you take a picture of yourself with said donuts, like if you're going to hand them over, you take the name of that receptionist. And in some instances, as you said, 
you know, it has succeeded you in having a discussion with that person. Some people don't get back and that's fine. But I don't know anybody that's doing that, Lewis. And I'm very curious to know, when you came up with the idea and then you put that to your manager, what was their initial reaction? I, like, it's not my idea. I have heard it and I have heard it of, of some people at Brace doing it. But it was last year we were having an event uh, here in London and I wanted my top accounts to attend that event. And they were not replying and they never replied to my emails. And I was like, I'm going to show up at their offices to to see what happens. And it was a very, like, it, it were two days where I went around London. Like, I had so much fun. There was one story, like a very famous burger chain here in the UK, mm. where I arrived, I put the location in Google Maps and I arrived to it and I didn't find the offices. Like, it was like residential. But then I saw it and I was like, okay, but it seemed like a, like a set of homes, of houses. And I rang the, like the phone for them to, to open the door, but no one answered. And mm. then a guy from Deliveroo arrived and he got in and I got in like, a, like, <laughs> like chased him and yeah. I started like going and I saw the logo of this company and I started going in, going in knocking doors no one replied by all of them were open it was crazy at the end i end up like in the middle of the office i was like hey and the people are oh hey like what are you doing here and i'm no i'm looking for that and then someone was like oh he's not here by working his team come let's have a coffee and it's wow. like a very interesting conversation uh, which they end up attending the event and since then since i saw concrete results like of those days doing it i i have been doing it uh and, and it has worked very well. And, and I enjoy it a lot. It's very time consuming. So I only do it like for my top, top, top account. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a nice one. Like when, if someone is not replying to your emails, to your calls, it's very rare that they are going to reply if you keep emailing them. Mm. So maybe trying something different. I also, like to add that note, have like attended industry events. Mm. And yeah, that's another topic. But similarly, like having a way to meet them in person, uh, to be able to speak to them. And like, it's crazy how people are open to speak to you. Mm -hmm. And we believe because we never get replies as BDRs that no one wants to speak to us. But people love speaking to people. And if you are human, it works. The, the freak, like, 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 this is an SDR disco call first. I've never even heard anybody do this, and I'm very, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be thinking about this for myself. I might, I might have to start doing this. But you're right. When you go and meet people face to face, you're bypassing the gatekeeper for one. Secondly, you're putting a personal element to this, but you're adding an element of creativity to your approach, and you're putting a very human approach, right? And you know, I think with a lot of us within sales, we will sometimes follow plays or books or sequences set by other people that have done it before because it's very automated and you've got the blueprint. But what you've just done there is you're creating your own path and your own way of doing something. And that makes you freaking memorable. Everybody's going to remember Lewis, that guy with the donuts that came in and had a chat and a coffee. That's freaking amazing. And that is very entrepreneurial. Um, you're literally like, it's got me very excited, Lewis, right? As you can probably tell. And I think... Uh, a mantra that I have in in life is if if you know a lot of people are looking for the key of success to open the door, and I'm like, if you can't find the key, break the fucking door door down, right? 
Yeah. Just do it in a different way. Do it which you know separates you from from other people. Uh, and it might seem crazy and kooky, but if it works, like hats off to you, dude. So um, I think one day we're gonna have to meet for donuts, Lewis. I, th- I think that's the conclusion I've come to. Yeah, of course. Let's do it. I love that. I love that. All right, Lewis. It's been an absolute awesome chapter and journey uh, with yourself. So, Lewis, the, the question I ask all of my guests is: if you could give three bits of advice to a younger Lewis who's just about to embark on this journey, you know, coming out of university and he's thinking to do something different other than what his peers are doing, what would those three bits of advice you'd give to that young Lewis? One is take a lot of time uh, understanding and looking who you are going to marry. Uh, So that's (laughs) for me. And I don't mean that everyone has to be married, that everyone wants to spend their life with, with a partner. But for those of us who want, I think that's the most important decision in life. And it's something that I don't hear that often. Mm. But being married now two years, like, it has been the best decision of my life. Second one, yeah, and you mentioned it throughout the show, that you think that the best way to help yourself is helping others. So second one is help absolutely everyone you find in your journey without expecting nothing in exchange. And the third one is, is have fun. Have fun. There, are, there have been times in my life that I have stressed a lot. For example, with my personal business, sometimes where things were not going and overstressed, but like just have fun. At the end of the day, this shall pass too and, and enjoy it. That, I think that's, that's the reason why we're here. Spoken like a true entrepreneur, dude. I freaking love that. Thank you so much. And are there any shout outs or kudos that you'd like to give on today's show, Lewis? Yeah. Well, to <clears throat> as you might guess, to my to my wife, which is the most important person in my life, to my parents. And also big shout out uh, to my managers who gave me the opportunity to get into this amazing company and get into this amazing uh, industry. Andy Las, uh, Del Patara and my new manager is Sam Kirsch. So to all of them. I love that. Thank you so much. And a shout out to all of them as well. Uh, And a big thank you to all of our listeners, watchers, and subscribers that have been joining us on Lewis's journey today. As a general reminder, you'll be able to find Lewis's LinkedIn profile within the show notes. So I'd highly encourage and recommend reaching out and connecting with him. And if you want to pick his brains on any topics that we've discussed today. And if you've been listening to this in your local podcast platform, please make sure that you give us a rating and subscribe. And if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, please make sure that you like, comment, subscribe down below. But Lewis from Braze, it's been awe-inspiring to meet you today. Thank you so much for being a great guest. Uh, I hope to see you again in the near future. And most importantly, sir, happy selling. Neil, thanks for your invitation and a pleasure being here. Thank you for listening to the SDR Disco Call podcast today. We would like to get this message out to more and more sales development reps, so please like, comment, and share in your local podcast provider. If you don't want to miss a show, you can always send a blank email to SDR Disco Call, one word, at bcast, which is B-C-A-S-T dot email, and you'll be added to our mailing list. We're also on the lookout for new guests, so if you work in the world of sales development as an SDR, BDR, MDR, or ADR, and feel that you have an important message or story to share, feel free to email us at podcast at happyselling.io, and we'd love to have you on board.